0: Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Let's take our Bibles now and uh, we're going to go to the book of Galatians. We are finishing our series um, again a few weeks ago called the five laws of grace. The five laws of grace or the five laws of the new covenant. And these laws are Are here for your benefit. Actually, they've they've really been here from God all along, but we really see the fullness of these laws after Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. And um, now that we're not talking about the law of Moses, we're not talking about the Ten Commandments. We're talking about the laws of grace, which are quite different. Because Paul talks about when the commandment came, the law of Moses. When it came, uh, he said, when the law came, sin revived and I died. Because when, it, when the law came, it showed me just how holy and good it was and how unholy I was. And that I did not have the strength or the power to perform that law. Uh, and so the law could, could diagnose the problem, but it couldn't cure the problem. It could diagnose the illness, our, our difficulty, but the law could not redeem us. Yeah. It could not help us. So Christ came, and in the, the body of his flesh fulfilled that law when he hung on that cross. Hallelujah once for all. I love that. And so now these, these laws of grace are here to help govern our lives, help govern the way we live our lives and to bring benefit and blessing to us. And uh, those laws are, we, we've been walking through the scriptures, finding these laws. The first week we looked at the law of faith, the law of faith. And that, um, that couple of things about the law of faith is number one, that <clears throat> faith changes your position with God. Because you're born a sinner, thanks to Adam. You it's not because you did something wrong, it's because you were born. The fact that you were born means that you were born a sinner. So you immediately needed salvation, you immediately needed to be reborn. And that happened through the last Adam. And, and faith changed your position with God the moment you believed that Christ died for your sins. That he was buried and that he rose again the third day. And when you believe that, your whole position with God changed. You went from being in darkness to light. You went being, from being a stranger on the outside to a son or a daughter, a child of God. Isn't that a marvelous thought? All right? So ch- faith changes your position with God. And then, and then the second thing we learned about faith was that faith gives you access to the favor of God. Romans chapter five, verse two says, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace or into this favor in which we stand. All right. Faith gives you access to God's favor. And then the second week we talked about the law of the spirit. Romans chapter eight, verse two says, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me, say made me, Made me free from the law of sin and death. So it's better than being set free. Being set free is good, but you still have potential to be back to go back into bondage if you've just been set free. You know, we see that people get set free from jail and sometimes find themselves back in jail again. But being made free is different. You've been created free, created into a kingdom of freedom so that you'll never be bound again. The law, the scripture says the, uh, that, that you sin shall not, Romans six fourteen sin shall not have dominion over you for you're not under law, you're under grace. Hallelujah. Amen. You've been made free, made free. And then the third week we talked about the law of righteousness and some, some things, the truths about the law of righteousness is that number one, righteousness comes one way by faith. Just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness, so you believe God. Apart from works, this is about faith in God. All right? And um, so, and then the second thing we learned about righteousness, the law of righteousness, is that righteousness is a gift from God. Aren't you grateful for that? You couldn't obtain righteousness by doing good things, God gave you as a gift his righteousness. Isn't that glorious? He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Another verse, we looked over in Isaiah chapter 54. One of the things it says is that no weapon formed against you will prosper. Every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, says God. In other words, they don't have their own righteousness, they have my righteousness. Paul said that that, uh, I obtained self-righteousness because I kept the law. That's what what performance-based Christianity does. You only arrive not at God's righteousness, you arrive at self-righteousness, which is nasty. All right? We have to be gifted righteousness. Righteousness. Righteousness is, lastly, is a conviction of the Spirit. Righteousness is a conviction of the Spirit. We looked over in John 16 where Jesus talked about when the Spirit of truth would come, he would convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. And then he talked about what that meant, of sin because of unbelief, because of their unbelief. So there's the conviction of sin for unbelief for the unbeliever. Then there's the conviction of righteousness for the believer. He convicts you of righteousness, not of sin. Not of your failings. He convicts you of who you are now in Christ. Hallelujah. And then of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged, not you. That is the devil himself. And then last week we talked about the law of the tithe. The law of the tithe and certainly not anywhere close to the law of the tithe under the law of Moses. All right. The law that came through the Ten Commandments, the law of the tithe was if you... If you tithe, you'll get a blessing. If you don't tithe, you get cursed. And so the, the, the Levites, the priests, would take the tithes from the people. They were required to pay tithes. But that's not, that's not our reality today. Our reality is more like Abraham, who was 400 years before that law even came, who out of his own heart just gave tithes, because the priest pronounced a blessing over him, and in response to that blessing, he gave. And remember, we even looked at Jacob. God blessed Jacob and said all these wonderful things, you know, and you all, the nations of the earth, are going to be blessed, and I'm going to be with you, and I'm going to fulfill my word all the way to the very end. And Jacob said, if this is true, if you're the God that you say that you are, and if you're going to be with me and all this is going to happen, then I'm going to give you a tenth of everything that I have. God didn't require any of that of them. It's just what they did in response. All right? So we don't give, and we don't tithe today to get some. You know, to try to twist God's arm to look our way, and we certainly don't try to uh, cajole Him and or to manipulate Him in any way. No, no, no. no. God is already on your side. He's not any more on your side when you give than He is w- when you don't. Yeah. Yeah. All right, He loves you. He loves you. So He has offered us a way because Jesus opened up the windows of heaven for us. Right? When he said it is finished, and that, that temple curtain that separated men from the presence of God was ripped from top to bottom, showing us that we now have free access to our our God. Bold access, the scripture teaches us. Amen. And so now we give like Abraham. Because we've been blessed, it's our way. To bless him, but uh, Hebrews chapter seven says that Jesus, of whom it is witness that he lives, receives tithes. Here, mortal men receive them, men who are subject to death. Now you give because, uh, and and we need it to do the operation of the church in the earth. It, it you know we that's why we're partnered together, and so here the things on earth happen uh, because of people who bring their tithes and offerings. But there, the scripture says that Jesus himself received, He takes it personally. He receives that. Of whom it is witnessed that he lives. Think about this. One of the great blessings, one of the great realities of tithing is, is that you're giving witness to that Jesus is alive. That's marvelous. And not because we have to. We don't pay tithes. We give tithes. Amen. We're not under obligation. Praise the Lord. And lastly, today. We're going to talk about this last law, the law of Christ, the law of Christ. Galatians chapter 5, let's look at verse 25 for a moment. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. If we live in this, living in the Spirit was God's part. You walk, walking in the Spirit is your part, okay? If you're a child of God, you live in the Spirit, all right? So he's saying, since we, or if we live in the Spirit, then let's act like we do. All right, let's show it in our actions. Let's show it in the way that we live our lives, in our manner of living. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Verse 1 of chapter 6, brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, do, do this for me, say any trespass. Any. All right, So right, let's break it down even further. Say any sin, okay? If a man is overtaken in any trespass or sin, you who are spiritual... Restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you be tempted. Also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Lord, thank you for this time together. I pray for your blessing now upon this word, God. Thank you for all of these who are hearing this message whether they're here in the room, Lord, or whether they're listening by podcast, Father, I thank you that they have now the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ, the eyes of their understanding being enlightened, that they may know what is the hope of your calling. What are the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of your power toward us who believe? We accept your word, Lord. We we lean into your word now. We open our ears and our hearts, Lord, because we understand that your word is life to those who find it, and it is health to all of their flesh. So we receive it with thanksgiving. Lord, we want our lives to come up, and we know that your word is how we do it, listening to your word, believing your word, accepting it, God, and therefore living a fruitful life. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. I want you to turn to somebody and tell them, you're a burden to me. (laughs) This is a good thing, my family. This is a good thing. All right. If we can't be a burden to each other, then we need to stop coming to church with each other. If we can't be a burden, if we cannot share our stuff with each other, then why come to church? All right? Why be here? This is part of, listen to me, we, in this way, we fulfill the law of Christ. How is this the law of Christ? Because didn't he bear the greatest burden? He bore all of our sins, all of our failings, all of our shortcomings, took it upon himself. Hallelujah. The greatest burden, the one that we by ourselves could not bear, he got up there and carried it with us. God became a man and he dwelt among us. Hallelujah. And he was obedient to death, even the death of the cross, so that we all today, hallelujah, could bear his burden. What's his burden? Oh, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. But we as individual members of the body of Christ need to remember that's exactly what we are. That our life is not to be lived for ourselves, and we're not to look at others in any different way, but to see one another and to love one another as we love ourselves. Now, that's easier said than done, isn't it? But it's really what makes the church great. Because when we do that, there's no room for strife, there's no room for division. There's no room for jealousy. There's no room for gossip. There's no room for any of that ungodly stuff that happens in churches that forget their purpose. That forget why they come together. You know, I was talking to a pastor the other day. And I was just thinking, thanking God again for the people that I have in my life. For you that I pastor. He was telling me that he was having people put anonymous letters in the offering bucket telling him what all he needed to do. You need to fix this and you need to fix that. They wouldn't sign their names or anything on it. These people have no lives. They have have nothing else to do. They've forgotten their purpose. They've they've forgotten what we're here to do as the body of Christ. We're all individual members. Amen. Amen. So (laughs) It's funny, isn't it? It's hard to believe that stuff happens, but it does. Because people are people. And the church made up of people is made up of messiness at times, you know? And, and a lot of times that's an inconvenient thing to get involved in, right? It takes time. It takes attention. And, you know, who really wants to mess with that? But we need each other. We depend on each other for these things. Yeah. And I'm grateful yeah. to God for the people in my life, the, 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 the people I have submitted to, the, the men and, and women in my life that I've submitted to through the years, especially my parents. My dad, not only is my dad, he's also my pastor. And that you probably wouldn't believe this, but you know, I'm, I haven't always been perfect. And <laughs> there there are times where I had to, you know, submit to his authority and, and, and even the elders of our church. I won't tell you all the details of this story, but I was 19 years old and I got in trouble. And I just started off in the ministry and and they had to set me down, and uh, I was I was leading worship, and they had to sit me down and 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 you know help help me heal up and then restore me, and um. I was. And that was a tough time in my life, you know. It was it was a it was it was not only hard for me, but it's hard for my parents. And, but when I saw that that there were there were men who loved me. Enough to, to not just correct me, but to restore me. And bring me back where I needed to be. Amen. And, and after some time, put back into the ministry. And have been forward ever since. But if it hadn't been for that, those who would come alongside me and help bear this burden, I wouldn't even be in church today. But see, the church saved my life. It saved my life. Being a part of the church saved my life. I'm convinced of it today, that I would not be who I am and I wouldn't be where I am if it hadn't been for others who come up alongside me to bear this burden. And this says that specifically the burden that you're helping bear is a trespass, a sin, if overtaken in any sin. You who are spiritual, restore. Now, Paul is not just talking to leaders here. He's actually written this letter to the church. It's all of our responsibility mm-hmm. yeah. to bear up with yeah. one another, yeah. to help each other out because yeah. it says you who are spiritual. Sometimes we think, well, that's just that's the leaders. No, spiritual people are just those who acknowledge God in the situation, all right? Yeah. There are those yeah. who believe in the power of God more than they believe in the power of sin. Yeah. Amen that the power of God is greater than the power of sin yeah. and that there is always hope. Yeah. Yeah. I'm telling you, I said that there's always hope. A spiritual person, someone always believes there's hope yeah. Yeah. because this says if it have been overtaken in any trespass, restore." So what that's saying is, it doesn't matter what sin it is, there's always restoration. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Amen. Always. Because grace is greater. And we have a responsibility to minister that grace to one another. Yeah, yeah. To minister that grace to one another. To help heal, to help restore, to help bring their lives up. Yeah. It's on all of us. Thank you. Oh, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. The law of Christ is love for one another. Yeah. Thank you. And it's expressed in this bearing one another's burdens. Right. You know, because here's the thing, you'll be tempted to. You'll be tempted to write someone off if you hear that they've screwed up. You'd be tempted to disassociate yourself with them. Hmm? Amen. You'd be tempted to compare your faults to theirs. Well, at least I would never do that. Yeah, you, you could. Amen. You're just one choice away from it. Yeah. Yeah. You're just one choice away from totally screwing it up. I mean, I don't think anybody in their lives, that, that anybody that's in prison or anybody that com- has committed a crime or done anything, anything wrong, wakes up, first thing in the morning and says, today, I'm going to jack up my life. Today, I'm going to screw everything up. I don't think anybody starts off with that in their minds, but stuff happens, stuff happens, stuff happens along the way, right? And, and, and you, and you, and you come to a place of decision and you think I I could go wrong or I could go right. All of us have that capability. As long as you have a choice, my family, you have the capability, to do right or to do wrong. All right? That's why none of us has any right to ever look down at each other. Ever. Because we're all members of the body of Christ, and our real ministry is found in bearing up with one another. Because hmm? the truth is, if we are all one members of one body, that means if one member's hurting, the whole body's hurting. The whole body's hurting. It affects the entire body. So what, does it, what good does it do to try to push away? No, that's affecting you. you need, that needs healing so that you can be whole too. Yeah. Think about this for a moment. What, what's one of the things that you do if you, if you bang your elbow or, or if your head hurts? Have you noticed that this is what people do? Ah, ah. Right? What's, the, what's happening? The body is, is trying to minister to itself. I don't know really what the hand does, but for some reason, that's, that's our response. Ah. Amen. Right? Oh, that's good. Amen. That's us. One member hurts, another one comes along. I'm here. I'm right here. All right, we're going to get through this. We're going to walk forward. We're going to talk about hope. We're going to talk about what's ahead. We're going to talk about your future. All right? Don't let this moment define you. All right, you're down, but you'll get back up. You got knocked down, but you'll get up again. You're never going to keep it down. Okay, okay. (laughs) Corinthians says if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. All the law is fulfilled in this one word. Paul says, even this you shall love your neighbor as yourself. As yourself. All of us are filled in one word, shall love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. Jesus put it in two commandments, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And then Paul brings it down to really just that one, because later on we understand John, the, 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 uh, John the Beloved, who wrote the Gospel of John and 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and Revelation, wrote in 1st John chapter 4, verse 20. 1st John chapter 4, verse 20. Let's bring that up on the screen, if we could please. Um, now, John was known as the one, actually, he called himself, when, when you read the Gospel of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, he, he referred to himself as the disciple that Jesus loved. All right? So this guy is confident in the love of God. Don't you love that? There was Peter, James, and the disciple that Jesus loved. Now, John's not saying that he didn't love the other disciples. He just knew that he was loved. All right? And he was, he was actually Jesus' closest friend on earth. Jesus had all kinds of, all levels of relationship, all kinds of levels of relationships. I don't have time to go into all those things, but we all know that he had his 12 disciples and he has big three though, Peter, James, and John, who got to see and have special experiences with Jesus. But then there was this one guy named John who laid on Jesus' chest. I mean, he snuggled with Jesus. All right? And, and And then you really saw the power of their relationship after Jesus was arrested and all the other disciples scattered to the... To the four corners of the earth and then there's John who's standing at the foot of that cross. There till, the, till Jesus dying breath. Right there. Now why isn't John scared? What does he know that they don't know? He knows he's loved. And he later wrote even in this chapter right here. There is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out all fear. He had nothing to be afraid of. If they kill him, what's that to him? He wasn't afraid of death, apparently. And we saw how special their relationship was, Jesus and John, as Jesus, as he's hanging on that cross, hands over the care of his own mother, Mary, to John. And the scripture says, from that day forward, John took Mary into his home. Very special relationship. He says this, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. Hmm. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has seen? That's why we can really sum it up to one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Because in so doing, you're expressing your love for God. God. Can't have one without the other. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. The word conceited, listen to this. This is an interesting definition. Eager For empty glory. See this on social media all the time. Eager for empty glory. One of the things that I find amazing is when I see someone tweet or whatever, post, post, thank you. I'm so humbled to be blah, 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 humbled by this, humble. I'm like, you're so humbled, you let everybody else see it. Now, think about that. I'm so humbled, and I want everybody that are my friends to know it. Okay. Uh, maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm stupid. I don't know. That seems a little eager for empty glory. I don't know. Provoking, <laughs> to challenge, to a combat, or to irritate. Envying, uh, that is, to uh, desiring another's position or another's things. Paul says, it's not... We don't, Ain't nobody got time for that, all right? We got to bear one another's burdens. And when we're, do, when we're busy doing the do's, we won't have time to do the don'ts. Amen. Amen. Let me say this about you. You are this kind of church. You are the kind of church that bears up with one another and to, and to love one another and to pray for right. one another. I want to just commend you for that. I want to go to one last place. We got time? Yes. Thank you. Okay. Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. Now we have John who was so confident in the love of God that he knew he, that he was loved by God. But then there's this other guy named Peter who, who was, he was on a mission to let Jesus know just how important he was to him and how much he loved him. All right. And Peter, I love Peter. This guy has such great intentions, all right? I mean, he, Peter seems to start off right, but stumble along the way. I think a lot of us can find ourselves relating to him a lot. But uh, watch this. Then Jesus said to them, he talking to his 12 disciples, all of you will be made to stumble because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I've been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. Verse 33, Peter answered and said to him, Even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. If anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Even if all are made to stumble, I will never be made to stumble. Jesus, let me just tell you that right now. I got your back. I got your back. Watch this. Look what Jesus says. Assuredly, I say to you that this night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Tough guy. I, I, if I was Jesus, I would have said that or something. Then Peter said, if, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And the other disciples was like, yeah, me too, Jesus. Yeah, me, I'm not going to do that. But let's go down to verse 69. Watch this. Just a, maybe a couple hours later, all right? Now, Peter sat outside the courtyard and a servant girl came to him saying, You also were with Jesus of Galilee. Verse 70, but he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you are saying. Even if all are made to stumble, I will never stumble. Even if I have to die, I will not deny you. Hmm. Verse 71. And when he had gone out to the gateway, another girl saw him and said to those who were there, this fellow also was with Jesus of Nazareth. But again, he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. Even if all are made to stumble, I won't be made to stumble. Even if I have to die, I will not deny you. Where's this guy at? And a little later, those who stood by came up and said to Peter, Surely you also are one of them, for your speech betrays you. Then he began to curse and swear. Saying, I don't know the man. Blankety, blank, blankety, blank. Even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. If I have to die, I will not deny you. We're all capable. You can have the best intentions in the world. Hmm. (laughs) That's what it says. Immediately a rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the word of Jesus who had said to him, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So he went out and wept bitterly. Because that wasn't in Peter's heart to do that. But how many of you know, you don't always live up to what's in the heart. That's carried out by the decisions you make. You can either choose to live by the heart or live by the flesh. And in a moment of fear, Peter gave in. He was so sure of himself and yet fell so terribly hard. Not once, not twice, three times. We're all capable. John chapter 21, after Jesus is risen from the dead, he sits down with Peter and the disciples and he looks over at Peter and says, Peter, do you love me more than these? Now, in context, He's not saying, do you love me more than you love these guys? He's really saying, do you love me more than these guys love me? Because that's what you used to say. Is that the case now? Peter says, well, you know that I love you like a brother. Jesus is asking him, does he agape him? Does he love? have the God kind of love? And Peter says, I've got a brotherly love. I'm at that level. Then Jesus said, feed my sheep. And then Jesus said, do you love me with the kind of love that God has, agape love? And and Peter said, well, I phileo you, or I have a brotherly love for you. He says, feed my sheep. And he says, Peter, a third time, do you phileo me? Do you love me like a brother? And that's what grieved Peter. He said, Lord, you know I got that much love. You know I love, he said, feed my sheep. It's interesting, interesting. That he questions. Now, Jesus is restoring Peter here. I love that he did it three times. He did it all three times on purpose. And he restores Peter here in love, but there's some correction here too. Because he's helping Peter be really honest where he is. Are you hearing me? He's, He's helping Peter get honest to where he is in his level of love. Because then he says, Peter, when you were young, you girded yourself up. You went wherever you wanted to. But when you're old, you're gonna go, they're going to carry you away to a place that you don't want to go. And it was signifying of his death that one day Peter would lay his life down for the gospel, which is the ultimate love. He, in other words, he's saying, you're going to learn this love that I came to give you. And the way that you're going to arrive at the God kind of love is that you're going to care for people. Feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my... That's the answer. You're going to look out for the interest of others, not just your own any longer. That's how you're going to know the kind of love that I came to give. Because Jesus said, I didn't come here to master over everything. I came to serve. And in so doing, he's the master of all. You want to have the love love of God. You want to fulfill the law of Christ. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill it. The law of Christ is your love for one another, especially expressed in bearing one another's burdens and helping each other in our weaknesses. And when you bear one another's burdens, you increase your own capacity in the love of God. Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you, Lord, for these precious people. Lord, thank you for this instruction that we've received today, God, to remember who we really are and, and, and what each other really means to each other. Lord, what, what we really mean to one another, Lord, in, in, in your eyes and in the grand scheme of things, Father. How precious We are in your sight. And how precious, Lord, you want us to see each other. And Paul, help us to be as Paul said. We don't regard anyone any longer according to the flesh. No, 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 no. We understand a greater truth. It's deeper than just skin. It's deeper than what we're seeing with our eyes. We're looking into eternity and into the truth of eternity. That we are all a family of God, part of a family of God. We are all members of the body of Christ. Lord help us to to be attentive and to listen and to bear with one another and to pray for one another Lord and to just be more purposeful in that Lord so that we ourselves can increase in the capacity of your love for us and your love in us Father thank you for your grace that has come to us we did not deserve it but you gave it to us anyway you deemed us worthy when you gave your son for us. That's what we were worth to you, that you would give up your own son to die for us. What a love that is. What a glorious love. And Father, if you would do that for us, Lord, we want to return our gratitude and thanksgiving by living our lives for you, by living our lives for your purpose. What is it that you would have us do? Fulfill this law of love, this law of Christ, which is the law of love. Thank you, Father God, for the grace to do it. Help us to grow in this, Lord, the increase in it, to experience your love in a greater measure today. Hallelujah. Lord, I thank you that you've you minister to each and every one that's here today, Lord. There are needs here. There's, there are those, Lord, who are searching, those here, God, who are in need. Lord, whether it's healing or, or, or a financial breakthrough or a relationship, help, Father. I just thank you are right now for helping them. Maybe there are some here who are overtaken, Lord, by a sin, by a trespass. Lord, help them, Lord, to lean in to the body for help, to not push away. And not to hide, but Lord, help us all to look at one another and to love one another in such a way, Lord, that we'd be able to overlook faults and not be fault finders. But Lord, that we would be coverers. As your scripture says, Lord, love covers a multitude of sins. We don't condone, we cover. Father, I thank you for your love that it abounds here. There are some here who came in here, Lord, fearful of certain things. I pray, God, that they would be free from that fear by the love of God. Thank you, Lord, for your gospel. Thank you for your gospel that saved all of us. We're not ashamed of your message, your good news, the simplicity of your message that Christ died for our sins, he was buried, and he rose again from the dead. And whoever believes on him will have everlasting life. Thank you for that beautiful message, that it was all you, it was everything that you did, we had no part to play in that except to believe you did it for us. And we thank you for that. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you for a good week this week for your people. Lord, we're expecting great and mighty things. As we began this year with that scripture, call to me and I will answer you and I will show you great and mighty things that you do not know. Thank you that, Lord, we're already experiencing these things. I'm already, I've already heard testimonies, God where people are experiencing these great and mighty things. And we thank you, Lord, for more of that, Lord. We want more. We want to see more of your power at work in our lives, more of your intervention in our lives, God. Our lives aren't worth living if we don't have you in it. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.